Good morning and welcome to Community Matters with John Morley and to your text lines very quickly. The forest in Clumber is a beautiful place to walk and is a brilliant addition to the community. Quilche manager Frank Flanagan does fantastic work with his team to maintain it. Good morning to all in Clumber. Great to hear you all on the radio. All the best that comes in from Sean Malloy from the Carrick Shore on the beautiful Loch Corrib. No question to where Sean Malloy's allegiances lie in the Battle of the Lakes. To our other text lines now, and they say, great to hear your programme from Clumber. Great people and great community. Burke's Restaurant and Bar, always good food and a great welcome for everyone. And I think we have a nice political one here as well. Eamon O'Queeve is a great man who has worked tirelessly for this area. That's in from the Fianfall Press Office, it seems, this morning. But you're welcome back to Burke's Bar and Restaurant in Clumber. Chief Verka, I'm delighted to say I'm joined across from me now by Johnny Coyne. Johnny, good morning. Good morning. You okay. managed uh, to get off the kayak to come in and have a chat with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> you are born and bred in the area, Johnny. Talk to me about life in Clumber. I was Clumber. actually born in Reading in England, but my oh. family come from, from the area in uh, Cornamona there, my dad's side, and my mother's side come from Ardrahan in Galway then. So. so when did you come to Clumber? We came, we came um, in 2007, so I was seven, yeah. But it was always home because we'd be coming back and forth, you know what I mean? So. Brilliant. And... Talk to me about your earliest memories, first of all, in Clumber. I know parkour was a big thing for you in the last. <laughs> yeah, but so when I was maybe uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, I was um, into parkour, and that's kind of my earliest memories in Clumber. I was, you know, going around, jumping on walls, buildings, and <laughs> causing mischief, you know. I <laughs> loved it. We loved it. Very good. That would be my earliest kind of memories, I think, yeah. Now, talk to me about school. I know you got into adventuring when you were in school. <laughs> Yeah, so when I was about um, 16, I was in this douche lawn, it was called a program. So instead of school, every Friday we'd go and do like outdoor activities. And um, yeah, I was kind of in a bit of trouble in school, so that's why I did the program. It was uh, run by Tusla, but um, I ended up, yeah, doing a lot of kayaking and uh, power boating and things like that. Mm. And um, that's how I kind of got into it then, and once I... I, don't, I wasn't too like I wasn't mad I wasn't mad for it it was kind of just like a bit of a chore do you know what I mean Yeah. and I had to do it so <laughs> but uh, once I kind of finished school then I realised you know that I really enjoyed it and I went travelling for a year and that's when I kind of started then and I did a two year outdoor education course in Kinsale and that's when I really kind of upped my skills in it and yeah finished as a qualified instru- instructor Brilliant because you had a, a troubled adolescence yeah and, yeah and just talk to us about that Yeah so it kind of came from like my father passed away when I was 15 so like he would have been sick a long time he had ms so um i think when he passed away that would have caused some you know things uh mentally but uh yeah and that kind of went on up until my probably until i was about 19 or 20 and that's when i kind of realized then i wanted to um you know go sober and live a better lifestyle and yeah then i kind of went full throttle into the adventure and decided to do like a long distance adventure which was um, cycling from Clonbar here to the Algarves in Portugal. Wow! And that was kind of my first big one. It was very spontaneous. Like I didn't hadn't been thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? I just just one day literally woke up when I was living in Cork and I was like, all right, I need a change. So I was like, what will I do? And I decided before I got out of bed that I was going cycling to <laughs> to Portugal. Well, I said Spain first, but I ended up in Portugal. Yeah, <laughs> a great place. Yeah. But nice for you to to find that escape in the outdoors and through physical activity yeah. as as many people do what was that first adventure like and, and just talk us yeah. through it 
as I said, it was very spontaneous. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not a cyclist. Um, you know, I wasn't in the I wasn't in the best shape, really. Do you know what I mean? I was, you know, at the time I was still drinking a good bit and smoking. So like, I kind of event- gradually started cutting and cutting all of that out on the adventure. So it was kind of like pushing me to live a healthier lifestyle, gradually, like gradually, and. Um, I decided then to um, to document it all on my on my social media because I've always kind of wanted to do that, but you know just the confidence to do it. And as soon mm. as I started doing it, like especially the local area here, they, everyone was really enjoying it and supporting me. And like you know getting just getting like you know maybe hundreds of messages a week just saying like um, how how much people are enjoying it. So I continued to put it on my stories, and yeah, it was mad. Like I started in Clonbarg, went down to Cork. Um, cycled all the way down to Cork, got the ferry to the north of uh, France, cycled down all through France along the canals. I went down to the north of Spain, then along the coast, uh, and then I joined on to the Camino Santiago. Wow. Cycled the Camino Santiago all the way to Santiago, and then I followed, kept, I, I actually had run out of money at this point, <laughs> and I was like, right, and I kind of had mentioned it on my stories, and the local people around here all decided they wanted me to keep going, wow. so they bought me coffees, and uh, there's a thing called Buy Me A Coffee, a website, and they kind of kept me going through that, so, and then I got all the way then to... Uh, uh, Lisbon and I was I was like right I'm going to Morocco <laughs> I'm going to Africa and I it was during COVID it was like kind of it's still kind of weird with COVID and everything so like um, I got to I went back to Spain to Seville and I um, I got there and I realised then I wasn't I, I was sure I was going to get across to, across to Morocco but I was I heard that the borders were closed or something like that. You couldn't get the ferry across. So I was just I was just set on it. I was getting there, I was getting there. And once I got to Seville, I was like, right, I'm actually not going to get across. So, so I turned back and I went to the Algarves then and I stayed there for a week or two and went home then. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's an amazing journey. And your handle as well, Johnny Be Good. Talk yeah. to us about that. Yeah, so like I just get um, I just get people saying that to me a good bit, like Johnny Be, be Good, Johnny, Johnny Be Good. And I kind of just stuck in, stuck in my head. And then I love the song, you know, Johnny Be Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like... Um, um, and it, obviously they say go Johnny go and that as well. Like so, yeah. I just, it all kind <laughs> of so linked were, up. And you I was were like, going. Yeah, so I kind of it kind of just ch- the name chose me, and I just decided to make it my kind of like you know whatever you want to call it stage name. Mm. <laughs> and, and yeah, so they kind of building s- off that. No, you, you stayed with the adventuring, and you've set up your own business here locally. Yeah. yeah, so like after that first one, I was like, right, how can I adventure all the time and just live a good life all the time. And one of those things was to probably cut out drinking and smoking and all that. So I gradually started doing that. And then the next thing then was like, well, I want to do something I love all the time. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, I could go and get like 10 years experience in the outdoor industry or I could just take the chance and go and set up a business myself straight away at home. And that's mm-hmm. what I did at Lockhart Adventures in Clonbara there. So yeah, I just kind of went for it. Like, um, yeah, I just kind of, I was push. I kind of like, I mentioned it to my family and they were like, you know, just go for it. And I just went for it. And... Mm-hmm. Then when I got home, I just I started with two kayaks. I bought two kayaks off my friend, and I was just gonna you know, baby build it up to five that summer, and um, ended up just building it up in the last two years now to like thirty kayaks. Wow. And, like you know, I've got a sailing boat, uh, which I do sailing tours out to Inchigilan. And um, yeah, traditional. I just do like a bit of a tour and um, off the island, talking about the tr- trees and the plants and the nature and the history and all that. Whoa. So I just kind of yeah, built, just kind of slowly started building it. And rather than make it, it was just to make money, you know, for the next adventure. I now it's become more. I am passionate about it, and I look forward to it while I'm away, coming home and you know, focusing on it. And I feel like it's given to the area as well. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I really feel like it's kind of a, a good deed as well, and pe- bringing people out and make, making sure they're having a good time. 
time and all that. And, and you're lo- located between here and Cornamone, you said to me, but yeah. you're keeping a country out there. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, so it's between here and Cornamone there. It's on the left, um, a little picnic area. So it's out, it's out, it's outdoors. Like we have a trailer. I was actually running it out of like an old horse box there for the first two years. Jeez. But just the last day, I got a new box trailer and it's, yeah, it's changing everything up. So yeah, eventually now I'm going to st- start, you know, kind of build it up a bit and maybe hopefully have a, like a coffee truck there. Brilliant. And um, yeah. So you're doing that during the, the season, the tourism season yeah. and, and, and the summer months. <laughs> Then in the off-season, you do your adventuring. So yeah. we've mentioned the Algarve, but you've also yeah. walked across Nepal. Yeah, yeah. So that, so the way I'm kind of doing it is like um, trying to make my money in the summer and then doing the advent- a, a new and bigger adventure every year. And that's what the next one then was after the summer. Just with an, like, you know, I, c- I could have just stayed at home and, as I said to you earlier, invest- invested the money into the business. But I was like, no, I, I'm not yet. I need to just keep doing these adventures. One, getting, one way ticket to Nepal, please. Yeah, uh, yeah, literally, literally. And um, yeah, we, me and a friend, my friend decided he wanted to come and I said, all right. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it was great. We flew to, the, to Kathmandu and we didn't really, like, we asked, do you know what happened actually? We accidentally booked the flights for like, um, we were going to book them in two months' time and we booked them in a week's time by accident. <laughs> And we were like, what do we do? Like, it's the end of August, like, like, you know, and I was like, what do I do? And we were like, you know what, let's just go. So we just, um, yeah, we just, we just packed our bags and packed up my business. He quit his two jobs and we just left. Wow. <laughs> and we went to Kathmandu and we got, we, we got there and it was just a bit all over the place. We didn't know what we were doing. We planned, we just started trying to plan it. And then we got a 28 hour bus journey to the East Indian border and, um, I got a flu like two hours in. It was the worst 28 hours of my life. Oh. Honestly, it was horrible. It was horrific. And my, my seat was the only seat on the bus that wouldn't go, wouldn't go back. So I was just <laughs> sitting up, not sleeping, in agony all over my body. It must have been COVID or something. I don't know. So anyway, got to the East Indian border. And I think we were in bed for a week before we left in this little oh weird town my. in the middle of Nepal. Or in the, you should say, the east of Nepal, yeah. And then we started walking and it was amazing. Like, we were just literally in jungles and, like, didn't see, like, any, like, Westerners for, like, weeks. And, like, we were, like, just knocking on people's doors every evening and asking, could we have food? And, like, wow. to give them money and, like, you know, hiking through jungles with snakes and leeches. And I know it sounds crazy, but it was amazing, yeah. But did you need a lot of training for that? We, as I said, we literally just left within three days and then we we trained as we went you know to be honest with you looking back i actually learned a lot from that from the the lack of preparation yeah because <laughs> now i as i said like i'm planning my next one and i planned the last one a bit better as well but still everyone is getting planned a bit more because i'm i would say i'm a spontaneous person but i do love i do i do realize now that i need to plan them do you know what i mean <laughs> especially if i want to work my way up to bigger adventures but, but e- yeah but even like the things like getting shots before you go out and then yeah you know like yeah. navigating the jungles and all the different yeah. animals and like <laughs> it was really cool like there was lots <laughs> there was lots of wild animals apologies like, for the look on my face yeah. as well but <laughs> yeah but like there were, i remember there was one image i have in my head and it's really cool it's just we, we're in the monsoon for some reason we got there and the monsoon re- uh, season hadn't stopped like the rainy season mm. and so we were just getting drenched for the first week and like um, French foot yeah I was wearing sandals for the first three weeks fair play to you that's (laughs) the best way of walking across Nepal I've found is by wearing sandals I found that right but I remember just looking up at one point and it was pouring rain and we were in the jungle and I looked out and it was like just I say there was hundreds of monkeys like passing us like it's just a really cool memory I have in my head I'm going to pass out just listening to you. The the, the next one then, Canada to Costa Rica, go on. Canada to Costa Rica, yeah, that was the one I literally just got back from there, like, oh, just over a month ago now. So I 
I planned this one because my sister lives in Vancouver and I wanted to visit her and I was like, right, how can I make an adventure around that? And then for some reason I just chose this. I actually came up with this idea when I was on my last adventure, which I always do. I'm always thinking of the next one. Like, <laughs> And um, yeah, so I just basically flew to Canada after the season, uh, Vancouver, bought a bike, spent three weeks with my sister there exploring and then bought a bike, refurbished and started cycling. And my goal was to get to Costa Rica and yeah, 136 days and uh, so yeah, about four and a half months I um, cycled all the way to Costa Rica through eight countries, uh, Canada, America, Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Whoa. Nicaragua and, and then finally Costa Rica there. I just finished on, I think it was the first of March I crossed the borders there and wow. you know, it was an amazing experience. Even getting the shivers thinking about it now again because I haven't really thought much about it to be honest since. But, because yeah. you, you can't actually go any further south than that on roads anyways. You can, you can get to Panama. Um, but once you get to like a certain jungle in Panama, yeah. there's literally no road to Colombia. So like, I think the reason I chose Costa Rica was, well, it sounds cool, like Canada to Costa Rica. <laughs> and then also like, I was like, just kind of tried to fit it into like a, a five, six months, do you know what I mean? Five months pretty much. And how would you get home from there then? I just get, I literally, literally as soon as I crossed the border, because I was actually under a lot of time pressure on the adventure. Like I had given myself a big distance, 7,000 kilometers, and I event at one point I had to like hitch across the the, the ocean, um, the the Sea of Cortez on a t sailing boat for three days. Wow! Yeah, it was amazing. We seen like whales, dolphins. Yeah, I actually like went onto a radio and I um. I asked, is anyone, anyone can bring me across? Because I had to get there for Christmas because my sister was there and I got a lift across. It was great. I got there the day after Christmas, but so I was out, I was out at sea at Christmas. Wow. Yeah. And now the next one is a big one and you're doing yeah. this one for charity. Yeah, so this one, so I did like the one in Nepal for like a mental health charity, but we didn't really push it too much. So this one, we're really, as I said, like about the planning, we're re I'm really planning this one. So my friend Liam Cotter, who is, um, he's from Cork, he comes down for the summer working with the kayaking. He's coming down and he's going to join me on the next one. So what we're doing, is, we're going to do it for Daisy Lodge, which is a lodge in Kong there yeah. for, uh, uh, what is it, uh, children's funds for cancer. Yeah. And so we're going raising money for that. It's a really good cause. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to be um, kayaking from Dublin to Istanbul a five-month expedition of uh, over 5,000 kilometers, 16 countries, and uh, a world's first, so. How does one kayak from Dublin to Istanbul? <laughs> so you start in Dublin, anyway, <laughs> and then you go down. We're starting on the River Liffey around the 7th of September. We're going to gonna have to give ourselves a good time, like a time frame that we can decide when we want to cross the Irish Sea, because that's obviously the biggest part. So that's like a 80 kilometers, 14 hours across, or that's how long it has taken people, but we might do it a bit quicker, hopefully. And um, yeah, so we're gonna cross the Irish Sea and we're gonna go to Wales, all the way along the coast of Wales to Bristol, Bristol onto the Avon and Kennet Canals to the River Thames, River Thames out to London, London around to Dover, across the English Channel, uh, then down through France, then through the like like a canal system, which we're kind of figuring out, and then down onto the River Rhine, River Rhine, all the way to the River Danube, and then through the rest of the Europe, all the way, 16 countries, all the way through um, uh, the River Danube, down to the Black Sea, Black Sea along the coast to uh, Istanbul, five months. <laughs> And yeah, world's first. You're going to have biceps like Hercules <laughs> after that. Yeah, working on it now. So. <laughs> so. Wow. But like, so that's open sea, canals, rivers, rivers yeah. estuaries. Winter. <laughs> yeah.
yeah. like uh, you said you're you're going to plan this one. I think you're going to need to but I've been planning this one for about a year now so yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's just kind of we're looking for sponsorship at the minute to support the expedition for like you know support boats for the English Channel and ho- maybe the Irish Sea <laughs> but um yeah, so we're looking for sponsorship. We have a proposal there, so if anyone's listening and might know a company, yeah, that would be helpful. But um, yeah, we're also trying. We're, we're I think we're gonna get a documentary made for it. That's something we're working on too. So whether it's a high, like a high budget one or a low budget one, we're gonna do it either way. Well, I think if I mean? anyone from Netflix is listening, yeah, in. yeah. Because you, you, yeah. you're definitely a showman as well, Johnny. I know you, yeah. you, you, you'd like to get into that line of thing. That yeah. you have TV show that's aspirations. My, that's my vision. That's my dream. And, uh, Forget about Bear Grylls, Johnny Be Good. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the name of the show. Hopefully someday, Johnny Be Good. And uh, yeah, doing adventures all around the world. I do believe I'll get there. I know I'll get there. I just, you know, enjoying the journey, doing new adventures every year, trying to fund it myself. So, yeah. Wow, wow. Fair yeah. play to you. And the best luck with insurance. If there are any Galway businesses out there, even yeah. in, in the Clonbur, Kong area, it's for a great cause, the yeah. Daisy Lodge close to a lot of families' hearts. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, what's the best way of them making contact? Is it Johnny yeah, Be Good? Yeah, so or? I have Johnny on my Instagram. You can co- contact me, Johnny, or Johnny Be Good 1, uh, letter B for, yeah, so Johnny Be Good dot 1, sorry. And then also, yeah, just uh, Lock Arab Adventures is my website, so you can find my number on that, lockarabadventures.com. You can find my number on that. Well, the best of luck to you, Johnny. It's Thank you very much. Pleasure talking to you. Pleasure. And uh, my producer, Sean O'Melkiron, is nearly passed over, keeled over <laughs> on the couch there listening to you. So, the best yeah. of luck, and when you're doing that, yeah. make sure to make contact with us. We'll get updates will, from you yeah. as you're going on the big the big points along the way as well on the 100%. show. Johnny, thank you for joining us on uh, Community Matters. Still to come on the programme today, we'll have the City Tribune headlines with Dave O'Connell, and we're looking at other community organisations in Clonbar. We're with you right through until 12 o'clock. Good morning. Galway Talks in association with Windsor Motor Mall. Visit Windsor Motor Mall Galway and get free three-year warranty on hundreds of used cars. The Community Matters series is brought to you by Galway Bay FM and is funded by Commission Mignon. Good morning and welcome to Community Matters with John Morley and we're going to go to our phone lines now because Dave O'Connell, the Connacht Tribune Group editor, joins us for the City Tribune headlines. Dave, good morning. Morning, John. Got a headache after uh, that last man. He has had more <laughs> adventures than I've had hot dinners. I'm going to need to sleep after listening to him as well, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> your, your lead story, though, Dave, it's a shocking indictment of the nighttime dangers in the city. It sure is, John, because taxi drivers have said they're avoiding parts of the east of the city at night over fears they will fall victim to repeated targeted attacks with stones and eggs. Now, we were talking to a representative of, of a group of taxi drivers. They've expressed fears for the safety of both the drivers and the passengers because uh, several taxis, they say, were targeted by hooded youths in the Ballyban area over the past six months. Now, it's not just Ballyban. There have been other incidents as well, but this is the problem, or this is the area they say they're not going into anymore, uh, this particular part of Ballyban. That's the main problem, and that's the story on the front. Okay, also on the front, uh, there is finally a name for Galway's newest bridge. Yeah, and it's not called after a person after all, but uh, an ideal, Drachad uh, Antochus, or Bridge of Hope, as it will be officially known after a naming ceremony next month. Uh, what we're talking about, of course, is the, the new uh, 10 million euro uh, pedestrian and cycling bridge over the Corrib beside the uh, the Salmonware Bridge. And other suggested names included our own old friend Padre O'Dowd, or Nora Barnicle, or indeed uh, Julia Morrissey, uh, big campaign for her. She was uh, one of the heroes of the 1916 Easter Rise. But in the end, it's the bridge of hope, and Sir John, even Mayo fellas have to have hope, uh, no matter what happens. (laughs) Well, good luck to the Americans pronouncing that, is all I'll say. (laughs) Now, some guy called Keith Finnegan is also making news. 
Yeah, he is. Um, I, um, he's to be awarded the Freedom of the City next month after his uh, sterling 34-year career on this very programme. I think it means that he'll be able to hurt his sheep through uh, Air Square. Uh, so we may have to get him, uh, well, a couple of sheep anyway, or a flock maybe within the next few weeks. So there's a lovely pick of Keith and indeed yourself and most of the station staff going with this in a, a piece on page three. Actually, I should say it's probably Sir Keith now, but uh, we, maybe that's only after the ceremony. Lord Finnegan, I believe. There's also a new hotel on the way for the city centre, Dave. Yeah, John, on the site of the old Tonerys pub in Bohemore, after Panners gave it the green light, uh, although it'll be one floor lower than the developers had hoped for. So you, you can see from the artist's impression uh, on page five in the paper, it's a substantial addition to the city's landscape. Uh, 158 standard rooms, 24 family or accessible suites. Uh, the developers, uh, they're an out-of-town group. They already own the Hampton by Hilton, the Holiday Inn Express in Dublin, uh, as well as the Holiday in Dublin Airport and the Waterford Marina Hotel. So another hotel in that part of Galway and there's plenty of them. And there's also positive news in the same area as well on page 8, a new thriving youth club in Bohemore. Yeah, this is brilliant. A group of dads came together uh, to set up the youth club, uh, which has sparked really a rapid transformation in the neighbourhood. So instead of kids hanging around on street corners, which they do in every part of the world, uh, but now you have up to 50 young fellas uh, from 6 to 21. Uh, there Three evenings a week they attend Bohemore Youth Matters Club. They're only open since uh, last November, but they have a whole range of activities that you can read about there. And one of the ones that really struck me is that every Tuesday evening, a group of them uh, go into the middle of town, they hand out sandwiches, soup, tea and coffee to the homeless community from a marquee erected in Air Square. There's so much more to it than that, but it's a, a hugely positive story from start to finish, John. And what else have you, Dave? Uh, well, as you know, a busy weekend on the GA front with both the uh, county's uh, senior footballers and hurlers in provincial championship action. And we all know from yesterday's programme that the password is maroon. Uh, loads of social <laughs> pics uh, from the uh, Galway Musical Society's production of Oliver, uh, which I know featured on uh, with yourself last week. Uh, for those that wonder what Fagan looks like, they can now know what he looks like <laughs> if they haven't actually seen him on stage. Uh, there's also the concert for Hope in the Galway Bay Hotel. That was a a, a phenomenal evening in aid of Hope Space, which does such sterling work supporting young people and children to cope uh, with uh, with their grief through bereavement. Uh, two pages of local politics, plenty of court as well, including uh, one interesting case where a man who carried out a series of thefts from churches in the city has received an eight-month prison sentence. That's on page three, and there's loads more in there as well, John. All right, Dave, thank you for joining us on Community Matters. Thanks, John. Back to Chief Urca in Clonbur, though. Burke's Bar and Restaurants. We're with you right through to 12 o'clock. And do come down and join us if you're in the area. I'm to say I'm joined by a number of community organisations in the area. We have Ross Sheen Birch, Mohammed Al-Kasim, and we have Mike Dolan and Mark Finn as well. Uh, Ross Sheen, good morning. I'll go to you first and Mohammed as well. Talk to us about this community sponsorship programme that you've been working on in the area the last few years. Yeah, so we started in 2021. So after hearing some of the horror stories that refugees have to face um, in trying to flee dangerous situations. Um, I came across community sponsorship. Um, it actually started in Canada and it was new enough to Ireland at the time. And we had a community meeting in October 2021 and everybody was all on board for it. So we set up a um, community sponsorship group called Joy's Country Lake 
and we've been kind of going ever since. Um, we had to fundraise at least €10,000 um, and we also had to secure a house and we had to do training um, and then we were matched with the lovely Alcacem family in 2023. Okay. And we're joined by Mohammed as well. Mohammed, good morning. Good morning. What's it been like for you since you've moved to Clamber? Yeah, at first I want to thank your radio to hosting us and uh, thanks uh, Ireland State and uh, Red Cross and uh, especially uh, Joyce Country for our uh, hosting us and helping us to change our life. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, we coming from uh, dangerous situation and uh, we live now <laughs> best for life. Yeah, as we dream before. Yeah. And your story, Mohammed, yeah. you, you moved from Syria to Lebanon exactly. in 2011. Yeah. And talk to what it's been like for you since then. Yeah, d- uh, it's, it's different life to be <laughs> live between your parents and your friends and your family and uh, suddenly move it to another country like a refugee. And they didn't find uh, any help from anyone. Yeah, directly. Uh, Facing with a lot of dangerous, changed life. Maybe a lot of people know uh, uh, that because a lot of people suffering from war before. Mm. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't uh, wish for everyone to have been uh, what happened with us. Yeah, it's yeah. very difficult. But when we arrived to here, it's everything's become uh, different and everything's become happy for me and for my children. Mm. Yeah, and for my parents also. And yeah. it's a beautiful place you've moved to. Yeah. What was it like coming to Clonmore for the first time? Yeah, and the first time <laughs> we find everything's amazing, especially for my children. Yeah, like uh, pitch, like uh, playground, like uh, safe school. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, nice club, yeah, like GAA, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, yeah. are your children getting involved in the GAA yeah, as well? My, yeah, my uh, child, uh, the big one, uh, start. Yeah, my son start to to uh, uh, practice, yeah, and play in the GAA team, yeah. And I know you're very involved in voluntary work in the area as well. You're yeah. taking English classes and you're learning to drive. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I take my uh, uh, theority test and uh, and uh, this week I started to uh, 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 practice about the driving in a good way, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> everything's become better, every day be- uh, better from <laughs> another day, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's lovely to see, Roisin, that this community has been so welcome to many blow-ins, but also to people fleeing conflict mm-hmm. as well. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. Like that's one of my favourite things about living here. Like everybody is so so welcoming. Like we did not come across any issues. Nobody giving out. Nobody saying anything. It was just welcoming. And one of my favourite memories about when the Alcatans got here. So we met them at the airport. We were all really nervous <laughs> because like we didn't know them. They didn't know us. We had one video call with them. Yeah. And uh, we got a bus, um, Michael Hill, he's a local man. Actually, he was a blow-in as well, but he drove us down. And when we arrived into the village, it was dark. And there's people in the crane house playing music and like welcoming them. Like I get goosebumps now thinking about it because it was, it was just so lovely. Um, but yeah, everybody has been so, so supportive and so kind to the Alcatan family. Yeah. yeah. And it must have been very different for you. Different weather, different climate, different music and, and mm. different type of culture as well. What's it been like? Getting in, into the community, uh, yeah, I like everything. Yeah, when I arrived, most of uh, people treat with me like uh, with a smile. Yeah, if I need anything like help in 
any uh, any person from the community, especially from uh, the Joyce country community, uh, directly in, uh, and in a good way. Yeah, and <laughs> don't fail me without any uh, things, only with a smile. Yeah, and uh, yeah, everything's uh, be nice <laughs> and be good. Yeah. Uh, finally, Roisin, to you. I know I'll be talking to your mother a little later on as well, but <laughs> you're born and bred, you're, you've stayed in the area, yep. and you're working in Galway City. Yep, I work in the University of Galway, so I work in the Access Centre. Um, and yeah, I've lived here all my life. Uh, at the moment, I've no plans to leave. My brother and sister have actually just left, one gone to Australia, one gone to London, but I'm happy where I am. You're happy where yeah. you are. <laughs> Great to have you on the uh, programme with us today. We're also joined by two other gentlemen, uh, Mike Dolan and Mark Finn as well. And I'll start with Mike uh, Dolan. Mike, good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? And I actually know your son as well, but we, we won't talk about that on air. We'll say hello to him. Hello, Owen. <laughs> hello, Owen. <laughs> Nice to have you tuned into yeah, us all. Yeah, yeah. Mike, you're involved with the Zambia Housing Project. Yeah. Talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, that was really, I'll, I'll make a brief, I'm more blowing, very topical this morning, I'm blowing as well. <laughs> but anyway, um, we, um, this all came about in 2007. And really the brainchild of a local priest really who used to return from Zambia every summer. And he, was, he used to be on about, oh, come out, you'd have to see the you know, the, meet the people and see, see the culture and everything else. So myself and a local man, Roshi's dad, Dermot, uh, Dermot Birch and I, um, we didn't even know one another at the time, but we had the same idea in our heads. So we went and mm. we, it was a life-changing experience for both of us. So we went out then on the behest of Father Porrick, Porrick Kelly from Cornamona. And I suppose from there on, it changed our lives and it changed my outlook on life anyway, because... We, what we go through here is only a small fraction of what the people in Zambia. Mm. There's dire poverty, and um, we just you could have, you could have chosen any amount of charities that you could help on because it went from the young to the very old. And I suppose the biggest thing that we found out there in 2007 was you know the AIDS virus was wiping people out, and it was commonplace for people to bury three or four of their family in one day. And it was kind of a matter of fact thing, and we were amazed at this. So I suppose the one thing that caught us was street children, parents who would have died from AIDS and been reared by the grandparents. And um, the, of course, the grandparents didn't get old, and they would die, and the people, the kids would be left on the street. So that was our main focus. So on return, myself and Dharma said, we have to, we just can't forget about this. So we set about fundraising um, activities then to see what we could do. And again, as Roshi was saying, we didn't even have to think. Uh, the people came on board straight away through the parish priests and Kong also got involved. So we, it's kind of a joint collaboration between Kong and Clamore. And the priests at the time, Father Cullum and Father Paddy and Father Declan, Father Lutton here, um, Father Billy, Father Michal, Father Peter, they all, every single one without exception, um, adopted it. So our fundraising activities go through the church each Sunday in tandem with the church envelopes. We also have envelopes. And then we do on, you know, one-off um, fundraising activities, sponsored walks. It's absolutely fantastic. So to date, John, to date, then yeah. we've, what we've actually built is we've built 66 houses. Wow. And in a, a compound just outside the city of Kitwe in northern Zambia. And um, you'd have to believe it to see, like, the difference is made to those people, the 700 people in those mm. 66 houses. Each one of those children go to school every day. They're all orphans. Uh, we built, you know... Those things they're being landscaped. We built a community centre in the school, and um, kind of landscaped and everything. So myself and Dermot went out there just uh, over a week ago. We have been out in ages because work and everything else. So you know, it really opened our eyes again. And mm. For us, 
the emotional thing was seeing those people so happy and content. Mm. Um, a house would be the size of our average garage at home. And each of them cost 6,000 euro. But my God, what a difference it has made. Yeah. And those people now have a future that they didn't have 17 years ago. It's a lovely story. Yeah. And you mentioned you're blowing. Where, where in Galway are you from oh, originally? Uh, yeah, three, um, a place called Caravan, between Lockway and Athenry. Okay. And um, I'm married down here, and <laughs> Dermot's the same. So, um, like, we have a lot in common, myself and Dermot, and we get on very well. But we have a fabulous group of committee members here as well in the parish. They really got on board. Brendan Kenny, John Morden, Michal Gannon, Martin O'Malley, everyone from every area. And, you know, as Roisin said, it's something about this area. If you don't, if you don't like living here, you're you're really odd. <laughs> it's a fantastic place to live, and um, you know, for us, for us as a group, for us, like the, it's really. This is not about Michael or Dermot or any of the other kind. This is about the people here in Clamborg, Cornamone, and Kong. They are the people that have made the difference, not us. All mm. we do is coordinate it, and um, the, 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 every one of them, um, all the people that you meet here, there's always goodwill. They have never failed to contribute. Mm. even in the worst of times and you know I can't say that, can't say that about every organisation but they're absolutely fantastic community spirit down here and it's a pleasure to live with them yeah. from my point of view anyway but I suppose to finish John um, I suppose it, it will be ongoing this project we were thinking of where do we go from here but when the seven term went out a week ago my god there's an awful lot of work to do yeah. and our the, the future plan very briefly is we've dis- identified now what needs to be done we plaster the remainder of the houses we paint them and the big project coming down the line now, we're build, because we identified it, the teachers uh, highlighted when we were there, we're, we're fundraising now and we will be building two new classrooms and a sewing room. Mm. And on a, on a kind of a more sombre note, if I may say it, one of our members, uh, Colm Burke, who is a member of the Burke family here, Colm was one of our volunteers yeah. um, and he really got involved in it and sadly he passed away there a number of years ago. So, in conjunction with the people out there, a lot of them actually suggested they miss, really missed, couldn't believe he was gone. So, on a, on a, a kind of a, an emotional note, really, um, the classrooms that we're building will be dedicated to Cullum. And lovely. we've discussed it with Paula and the family, and it's a lovely thing to do, and the people really want to do it. So, it'll be a nice um, kind of a, a memory of Cullum, because he played a huge part in this, and, um, you know, we couldn't have done it any better. A touch of class, may he he rest in peace. Yeah, God rest him. Mike, thanks for joining us. We also have Mark Finn. Mark, you're involved with the Connemara Social Housing and you're very busy in the area. Yes, um, well, the the committee is very busy involved in this project. Uh, It's something that's been going on for many, many years in the area. I'd even go back, we'd say, to the giving a little bit of a historical context that the Sisters of Mercy built a convent here in the in Clombar in 1936 and were with us until the 70s serving the community and then great foresight in amongst people in the community when the building came up for sale that they bought it and converted it into what we have today. They used the buildings, the, the space at the back of the buildings to build the social housing for the elderly because they recognised the amount of elderly people that we had in the community stretching from Kong to Mam to Shannon Farahan back um, and the isolation that many of those were living in and that has been a renowning success but the committee is also uh, responsible for the daycare centre and again people are brought in from the area those who cannot uh, drive themselves or make their own way uh, are brought into the centre f- twice a week and again 
great services provided for the elderly in the community. Mm. So that is their main project. It's important work, as we've heard already, that the community locally, they're not shy in stepping up to help people. No, no, a lot of what Mike's mentioned there I could concur with just like I would never say it's the committee's work. All we do is orchestrate much of what the the community, just to to a little nudge to the community. And we get such support from local businesses, in particular in the last few years. I'd have to give a shout out to ECC and all that they uh, provide for us. like having this kind of sponsorship enables us then to apply for grants, apply for sponsors, um, you know, different kind of projects and um, government projects because we have this kind of funding. Um, so it has been a great, great experience to be involved in this. And um, yeah, it has been brilliant. Amazing. Well, conti- continued success to you, you all. Uh, Mark Finn, Mike Dolan, Roisin Birch, and Mohammed Alkasem. Thank you all for joining us on Community Matters. We're looking at history next. Good morning. Galway Talks in association with Windsor Motor Mall. Find hundreds of used cars to suit your budget in Windsor Motor Mall, Galway, located on the Monavay Road. The Community Matters series is brought to you by Galway Bay FM and is funded by Commission Mignon. Good morning and welcome to Community Matters, Clamber. I'm joined by Trish Walsh to discuss the history of the area. Trish, there's a huge history here. It's steeped in it. And the names first of the place, talk just through them. Okay, so Clamber is so, so good, they had to name it four times, not just once. <laughs> so uh, it started off as Ross and the parish of Ross. So it was an ancient monastic um, site, location. And it um, probably dates from around the 6th century. It's associated with St. Brendan. There's also a strong link with St. Patrick, which kind of gives it its antiquity. And the actual architecture down in Rossill Cemetery, uh, there's a thing called a trabeated doorway, which indicates just how old it is. So it's an inclined door at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so going on from that, so the, the whole, the, um, to distinguish it from... Um, Ross in Hedford, Ross Erily in Hedford, it became Ross on Orca, which Orca's diocese are parish, so it's the ecclesiastical connection. Mm-hmm. So that's where the first two names came from. It was then, for a period of time, known as Fair Hill, the village of Fair Hill, and we have Fair Hill Hotel. Yeah. And that's where James Fair, uh, who was the land agent for Lord Leitrim um, lived and, and uh, looked after the Ross Hill estate, so the landlord estate. So this whole area is surrounded by landlord estates. You have the Petersburg estate. That's where I work. Uh, it's Petersburg Outdoor Education and Training Centre, operated under Galway Roscommon Education and Training Board. Mm-hmm. That's my day job. Um, I came here uh, 35 years ago with a five-year plan. <laughs> I'm, I'm here that length of time since. And one of the reasons that I am still here is um, the, la- the incredible landscape around mm. here um, and the people. But going back to the history, um, the landlord history um, led to a lot of agitation and unhappiness. And um, it became a hotbed during the Land League period. Mm. So, for example, Land League meetings were held in the pub across the road, which was owned by the Kearney family at the time. Um, And then going on to um, the history in that particular period, when when the village was still known as Fair Hill, 
Um, you had uh, the Mount Morris murder, okay, Lord Mount Morris, mm-hmm. who was killed in 1880. And so for the period from 1880 to 1882, uh, the whole the village of Clonbur and the surrounding area could write the history of Ireland yeah. because we had the Mount Morris murder, then followed by the Huddy murders, which were in Clockbrack. Um, all of this was being backed by the Land League, which they... They were um, mostly trying the process of kind of silent protest. Yeah, and boycotting. Boycotting. And that's literally, if we take as the crow flies a couple of kilometres out the road, um, was Lockmask House mm-hmm. and Captain Boycott came to, Clom- uh, came to that area to manage that estate for Lord Erin. And he, he was getting on reasonably fine. People associate the Irish famine with one particular period, but there were famines in uh, earlier than the, the big famine yeah. and also around 1880. So again, in that period of time, uh, the weather was appallingly bad. Um, people couldn't save turf to light fires. The crops failed and they were looking for reductions in rents. So um, it led to a lot of agitation. And one of the famous stories is the Captain Boycott story, where the people decided to have a silent protest and refused to work for him. Mm. Um, there was a journalist who was covering the story. This was big news, believe it or not, in America, uh, because of the connections between Ireland and America. People had emigrated and so on, and they were following what was going on. And John Redpath, a journalist that was going around at the time, with along with um, Father O'Malley, between the two of them, they said, "How do we describe what has just happened here in um, in this locality?" And they came up with the phrase to boycott. Okay. So that's now throughout the world. It's known as a way of peaceful protest and a way of um, getting people's point across, particularly when it's the oppressed people against maybe a government or a political system. It's amazing because it's one of my favourite parts of Irish history, that 1880, the, the, the revival of uh, the Anglo-Irish revival, the Gaelic revival, the land agitation, one of my favourite parts. But it's amazing how much of it is centred here in this area and in Clonbur. We're out of time on it, but uh, thank you for joining us, Trish Walsh, on it. And it's, it's an amazing history. And I know you do amazing work up there uh, in All Saints uh, Centre as well, and in Petersburg as well. So uh, if people want more details, they can get you there. But thank you for joining us on Community Matters. We're back with sport after the 11th o'clock news and debt notices. Good morning from Clumber. Galway Talks in association with Windsor Motorball. Visit Windsor Motorball Galway on the Monobay Road. A new way to car shop.